So in this God is Faithful series, it's just a, a constant reminder that, that there is an attack on God's character. That the world wants to minimize His Word. They want to make you think that God's Word is outdated or inaccurate. They want you to think that God's intentions are to harm us. They want you to think that, that you need to trust in yourselves or trust in uh, this system that, that is perpetuated by this world. But, you know, it's, it's not like that. God is faithful and we see that in His Word every day. And the thing is, is that God knows you better than anyone knows you. And probably, no, not probably, definitely, God knows you better than you know yourself. And I know some of you find that hard to believe, but knowing God enables you to be all that He created you to be. You are, you are living at maximum efficiency when you are living according to God's will. And God is faithful, which means that you can trust Him through this entire process. Now, some of you, if you like me, uh, we kind of feel like that we're kind of half-baked in this process of, of holiness and serving God, that, that we do something good and all of a sudden we do something bad. And, and that's the thing about a process, that it is ever-evolving. It is all always we're growing and we're learning. It's kind of like that athlete that, that every year they learn a new technique. They learn a new tool that they can use in the, the sport that they play. But, folks, God is faithful because being unfaithful is not possible for God. God cannot be unfaithful because God is faithfulness. God's faithfulness requires us to remember that He has and always will be faithful. Nowhere can we go and hide from God's presence. We saw that even last week as we looked at Elijah's life. That We cannot hide His presence. We cannot hide from His influence or His judgment or His correction, or His restoration. And and as I said, we saw that last week with Elijah. But today, I want you to take a good, honest, and hopefully refreshing look at your life, because I'm not preaching you as someone who has mastered this. I am working on this every day as well. I have to put the mirror of God's Word in front of my life and see where I am close and where I need to work. And, and don't worry, God shows us any time we ask Him. But... How well would you say other people know you? How well would you say other people know you? I would think that a spouse or your bestie, you know, your best friend forever, uh, there are certain people in your life that know you like no one else does. But I will go ahead and tell you that even the person that knows you the best doesn't know everything about you. Because only God can know everything about you. But how well would you say that other people know you? Uh, uh, how well do your church friends know you? And how about your co-workers or your friends or your enemies? I mean, I'll tell you, if you work at a job and that, that water cooler discussion, sometimes your whole day is, boy, how was your weekend? That was great. What's the weather like? I don't know. We're going to need an umbrella. And you'll talk about the weather. You'll talk about politics. You'll talk about everything else. But never really knowing that person. Well... Better yet, do your social media profiles include everything about you? Uh, now I'm meddling a little bit for those of you that are on social media. I'm meddling with myself too because social media is not what we are. Social media is what we want people to think we are. It's all about image. There are some people that they wouldn't post a negative comment, a negative happening about their life anywhere because they wouldn't want people to know that they have warts like everybody else. But folks, we all have got them. 
how do I, you know, especially with technology today, I know a lot of you older folks are kind of concerned about identity theft, but the truth is our identities are compromised in some way, form or fashion or others. There's very few people that I couldn't just even just type in your name and find out where you live and where your phone number is. And that's like, have you ever gotten a new phone number? Maybe you got a new cell phone or, or you switched your number or maybe you got a new number at home and you hadn't had that number five minutes and there's already spam callers calling you. Where in the world do they get that information from? It's like you can put your name on the do not call list and all those other things, but still, it's still frustrating that people can find out so much about you, but... Here's the thing, as hard as we try to present only the best of ourselves to others, there is only one person we cannot fool, and that is God himself. You've heard of Abraham Lincoln for, right? One of our presidents. He said this. He said, you can fool all the people some of the time, and some of the people all of the time, but you cannot fool all of the people all of the time. Even the greater tragedy, and that is a very wise statement, but even the greater tragedy is this, is that, that of that, everyone can, can try to fool somebody, but the greatest tragedy is that when we think that we have fooled ourselves. You know how we can fool ourselves? I'm going to give you a few statements that maybe you have used, or maybe a friend has used. I know I've used these, but when you use these phrases, you are setting yourself up for delusion. And there are phrases like, well, I think, and then you keep going. Or how about, well, I really feel that this. Look, it's okay to think. And it's okay to feel. But when you are led by your feelings, that is not a way to be led. We need to be led by God's Word. We need to be led by the man that created us. And, you know, if you say, well, everyone else is doing it. I remember when I was a teenager, my mom would say, well, if everybody jumped in the fire, would you? And now look, I'm a fireman. Go figure. But the truth is, is that if all your friends are doing it, you're probably going to want to do it too. And it's not just for teenagers and kids. Adults do it every single day. And other things like uh, that person that will say, well, I don't have a problem. I can quit whenever I want to. Who are they fooling? Themselves. Or I'm not addicted. Or I can handle my own problems myself. I have no need for God. There are actually people that feel that way. Maybe even some of you in this sanctuary today. But but many today are depending on themselves to get themselves out of a hole that they have dug for themselves that only Jesus can fill. I said it before. I'll say it again. Rule number one. If you're digging yourself in a hole, the first rule is to stop digging. Put down the shovel. But the harder we try sometimes, the bigger a hole we dig for ourselves. But the thing is, is that that hole that God has placed in your life, there are people that try to fill it with relationships. They try to fill it with happiness. They try to fill it with with uh, boats and golf courses and technology and, and all these other toys that we try to get. You know, like they say, the older the boy, the more expensive the toy, Right. But uh, as we try to fill our lives with all of these different things, we always find that emptiness. 
if it's anything other than what Jesus has created us to be. So with all of that said, let's look real quick at Psalm 139 and we can see some truths. I want to prove to you that God knows you better than you know yourself. And we see at the first point is that God knows everything. God knows everything. This means he is omniscient. Omni meaning all and omniscient meaning all knowing. Well, Let's look at verses 1 through 6. It says, O Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say. Even before I say it, Lord, you go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me and too great to understand. When it says that you know everything about me, I'm going to give you a a deep concept here. What does everything mean? Everything. Everything. The good, the bad, the ugly. And you know you're getting older when you have to start going to a dermatologist. You know, I I remember when finally I get to that age, oh, you need to go have a, a body check. And I thought, a body check? I thought that was something they did in hockey. No, they sit you down and they put you in a room and make you get in very little, only what the Lord gave you, and then they just look at your whole body. Oh, I cannot stand it. And for, for some people like myself, that can take a while. Just mark off a spot and keep moving. But it's a horrendous ordeal if you've ever had to do that. And, you know, they're they're sitting there and they're looking and they're going, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh. That's not what you want to hear. You don't want to hear the doctor go, oh, my goodness, mm. Well, some of you have been in that situation because you're uncomfortably laughing. But the thing is, is that as painful as that is, I don't want to walk out of that office. If I've got to go through that, you're going to look at everything. And I'm going to get it done because I don't want any stone unturned. And I want to make sure that I have been scanned from top to bottom. So if there is something there that I find out about it. Folks, here's the thing. Why do we try to hide things from God? Yes, when God examines us, he knows us. He knows the good that we do. He knows the bad that we do. He knows the thoughts that we have. He knows the things that we look at. He knows the things that we dwell upon. And he loves us anyway. But yet, he examines our heart. And he knows everything. So why do we struggle running to him to get help with those things? When the when the skin doctor says, oh, we need to, to look at that. I'm concerned, and then we go, we address that spot. But why is it when God says, look, this is what I want from you, we say, no, you can't have it. This is mine. God knows everything. You think you have got God fooled. I think I have got God fooled, but God is not fooled. The only person that is a fool is the person that thinks that they have fooled God. God knows everything and loves you still. Think about that. God knows everything about you, even the stuff you hide from other people. All of your dreams, ambitions, and hang-ups, and wrong thinking, and secret sin. Let me show you this verse. In 1 John 3.20, it says, God is greater than our feelings, and He knows everything. It doesn't matter how you feel. 
God knows the real you. God knows everything. We have a a saying in our fire department that uh, when the chief asks you about if you've done something, you better go ahead and tell the truth because he already knows the answer. If he asks you, he knows the answer. There's nothing that happens that someone doesn't call him and gives him, you know, I've, I've got on my, the front of my car this neat little uh, license plate. Some of our other guys have these license plates on their, their vehicles that have the department they serve with. Boy, that makes a good target for somebody to call and say, hey, look, I saw him driving like an idiot. And then so you get the call and you own up to it because they already know. And that's one example, but the, the greater example is is that all of us in here have got somebody that knows everything that we're doing. And when God calls you on it, it's important that you be honest with him about it. Because why is God calling you out on your mess? Why is God calling you out on your hang-ups? Because he loves you. Now, I know a few of you say, well, I don't have any hang-ups. Well, you can just go ahead and go get your lunch. Because all of us in here have got some hang-ups. We all are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. But God knows that you are unfaithful. But He He saved you anyway. It says in Romans 5, verses 6-9, through He says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Folks, here's the beautiful thing about God's love. God's love is for that person that's addicted to drug walking walking up and down Key Street right now. Just as much as he is the person sitting in the ivory tower that has more money than they know they can count. God has a plan for you in this sanctuary. There is no one in here that has done anything that God can say, well, I, I don't love that person. Now, Satan will make you think that, God, there's no way you can love me after what I've done. But how can we say that when we see the pain that Jesus went through at the cross so that God could love us? The second thing that we see is that God knows your situation. He is omnipresent. In verses 7 through 12, it says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. And if I ride the wings in the mornings, if I dwell of the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me would become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you... The night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Folks, David writes this psalm. King David writes this psalm with great perspective. And why do I say that? Well, David knew what it meant to sit on Israel's throne. He knew what it meant to be at the top, at the king of the hill. But he also knows what it was meant to be to hiding in a cave, worried about his life. 
He saw great victories and he saw terrible tragedies and God being there with him through every step of the way. Some events were not his fault, while others were a direct result of his sinful choices. David was a warrior and a war hero, but yet he was also a murderer. He was faithful, yet he was an adulterer. He was a father, and yet he even had one of his sons plot to kill him. I mean, he is like the original soap opera. I mean, it, he. You, I, I was talking to somebody the other day and said, you know, you know anybody else has got a family messed up as mine, do you? I said, oh no, I know plenty. And here is one of them. David's family was messed up. You think you got a messed up family? He's got a messed up family too. But yet he can sit here and can he, he can write the fact that God knows everything about me and yet he still loves me. I want you to understand that God is faithful to you no matter where you are with him today. Adam tried to hide from God. We saw that in Genesis 3 verses 8 and 9 where it says, In the cool of the breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And the Lord called to the man, Where are you? Where are you? They were not playing a little cute game of hide and seek. God knew exactly where Adam and Eve were after they had eaten from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They were hiding. They realized that they were naked and afraid. I guess that's where the show came from, right? This is the original Naked and Afraid show right here. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Talk to me later. (laughs) Or ask the person beside you. It's really not that important. But the problem is, is that they thought they were hiding from God and God saw them. When God says, where are you, Adam? He's not saying, peekaboo, where are you? He's saying, where are we? Where are we in our relationship that you think that you can hide from me? To a believer, I want you to understand, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ today, when you sin, your sin grieves the Holy Spirit. When I sin, I can, I can feel it's almost like the gas comes out of my tank when I have sin in my life. I know that I'm saved and I know that I'm redeemed, but I, sin cannot exist in a Christian's body. It cannot exist as part of our lifestyle. And when we do sin as a believer, we grieve the Holy Spirit. We cannot hide from that. God knows exactly what's going on. And for those that do not believe in Jesus Christ, your sin is the very thing that separates you from God. Knowing God is everywhere and that God is faithful should make you wise up. John 3.20 says, People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they will confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. God searched for them. God searches for you and asks, Where are you with me? God is asking you that today. Where are you and I? Where are we in our relationship? Look, I know that the average... Lifespan of a committed Christian. When I say lifespan, I don't mean your literal life. I mean your your spiritual excitement. That the spirit the spiritual excitement for many believers lasts an average of about three years, and that is generous. So after three years, we become comfortable in our decision, and many often, oftentimes, people just kind of sit back and coast. 
And God is asking you, where are we? And here's the thing. Many of you in here might feel like, well, my life's pretty good right now. But let me ask you this. If you got rid of that sin and accepted God's mercy in your life, where would your life be taken? What, what, what is holding you back from all that God wants you to be? We see also that God knows your weaknesses because He is omnipotent. He is all powerful. Verses 13. He says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book, and every moment was laid out before a single day has passed. Folks, your life has purpose, no matter how long or how short it is. When I read this passage, I, this passage is often used in the Sanctity of Life Sundays where it talks about the fact that, that conception does, it does not begin or, or the human life does not begin when the baby is born. The human life begins far be, before that at conception. But we see in this verse that even before we are conceived, God knew us. I think about those mothers and fathers that have gone through the pain of regret of an abortion. I think about those mothers and fathers that know the pain of a miscarriage. Or those mothers and fathers that know the pain of losing a child. It's not fair. It stinks. But folks, God is all-knowing. And God is all-powerful. And that every second that we have, whether it be a moment or a hundred years... We have the purpose of God within us. He is all-powerful and all-knowing. There is not one fly that drops in this world that He doesn't know about. He knows the numbers of hair on your head. He knows the number of, of grains of sand at the beach. There is nothing that happens in this world that is not beyond His control. And God loves you, and He loves every life, whether it be in the womb and out of it. And I'll tell you what, here lately I've been able to, some of you have seen, and I've seen on Facebook, these 3D sonograms. Whoa! Those things will blow your mind. Pretty soon they'll be able to put them on a 3D printer and just print out a model. <laughs> hey, look, here's my baby. You want to pass it around? Don't put it past somebody. But when you see that and you see the fingers and the toes and, and, and even in the womb, the babies are having their little temperaments and kicking and all that kind of stuff like that. We see, the, we see the life. We see the purpose. We see this verse that David is saying is that, folks, when we feel like we are not good enough or we have done something that is so bad that God could not love us, remember this. The Holy Spirit is ready and willing to work in your life before you even breathe your first breath in this world. God had and has a plan for your life. Every one of you. You are not trash. You are God's greatest creation. So find your value in God. 
not in others of this world. It says in verse 17, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumbered the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Folks, God made you to love you. He made you to love you. That's the whole reason you were created. You were born with the purpose of loving Him back. Take King David, for example. It was this love that caused him to serve God with his life. And it was this love that compels me and you to live every day for our Savior. And finally, we see that knowing God means that you will have enemies. Knowing God means that you will have enemies. Verse 19 says, Oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. Your name mis- is, They misuse your name. O oh Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. What we see here is that David's hatred for his enemies was a direct result with his love for God. Now, let me, let me be very clear here. Us taking this verse... And going out and saying, well, I hate everybody that is evil, so I'm going to go get a knife, I'm going to go get a gun, I'm going to go do something, and I'm I'm going to get rid of all these people that God hates. That is not what this is saying. That would be an extremist. That would be somebody that is trying to justify their own issues. The type of hatred that, that David is talking about here is the same type of anger that Jesus had when he cleared the temple. I tell you what, it grates my nerves to no end when people say the Lord's name in vain. I don't judge them. It just, it's like nails on a chalkboard. And sometimes I'll just say, look, God doesn't need a damning walk on water. Trying to correct them. Trying to show them that look, look, I know it's culture and I know it's just another slang like others that this are not fit for this pulpit. But with all the beautiful words that God has given us in our English language and all the beautiful words that God has given us in His Word, why do we got to put that trash in our mouth? Why do we got to let that trash get in our ears? And so when I see somebody being disrespectful to the Lord, when I see somebody that is mistreating a missionary, when I see a church person that is acting all religious against somebody that has no idea with what's going on, when I see somebody that is being a bad example of who they claim to be as a Christian and doing so much damage for the kingdom, that makes me angry. Not to where I want to hurt them, but it just it makes me angry. We live in a world that is hostile towards Christians. Look, I know it's not that bad here yet, but it's going to be. But the the trick here is that it's not for us to take vengeance on that. It's not for us to take vengeance on that. It's for God to take vengeance on that. There's nothing wrong with us telling God how upset we are about it. But we don't need to take it in our own hands. Because... If we take it in our own hands, we have just said the first part of this chapter, we have just said that He is not all-knowing, and we have just said that He is not all-powerful. We can do it, God. We can do it better than you. That would be disaster. 
We've got to depend and trust upon God. And then knowing yourself begins and ends with knowing God first. Knowing yourself begins and ends with knowing God first. This is a very popular passage. I remember reading it when I was in vacation Bible school as a kid. Back when you had the butter cookies and the Kool-Aid. Woo, that was some good eating. You get, you get those butter cookies and you put about four of them around your finger and you just kind of wear it around for a while until you get hungry, right? Good stuff. But I remember this verse. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I'll go ahead and tell you this. I dare you to make that your prayer. If you want God's best for your life, and if you want to go to the next step, and you want to find the cancer that's in your spiritual life, Pray this prayer and mean it. Look at it one more time. Search me, O God. I think it's amazing that whatever I can think of, I could go to the computer and search it, and if there is something out there with it, it will come up. I can learn how to fix a lawnmower. I can learn how to hang a picture. I can see reruns of my favorite TV shows. I can look back and see what's happened to all my friends I used to go to school with. It's crazy the things that you can find. You could even find dancing hamsters on the internet. Because of the power of search. But it's amazing when we say, search me, O God, and know my heart. And here's, here's the rub. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Kind of reminds me if you've ever had a rift with somebody and you haven't really said anything. You just kind of let it simmer. That person has done something to you or they did something to somebody you know and you're like, um, I'm going to be around them, but it just, it's that one thing. And then sure enough, what comes up in conversation or a situation, it comes up, you're like, aha! Then all of a sudden, the floodgates open. You remember back in sixth grade when, blah, 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 and then before you know it, really? There's been hiding and sitting there and boiling for years. And then finally it just comes out. Blah, 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 blah. And then it gets really awkward for everybody. Folks, wouldn't it be better if there is stuff in, in between us and God? For God to identify it now instead of be judged for it later? Wouldn't it be better if God showed us what we could repent of and confess today so we're not judged for it tomorrow? That's the purpose of this text. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting eternal life. Nothing is hidden from God. He knows all the things that have made us what we are today. God wants you to be freed from anything that would keep you from knowing Him more intimately. To know God is not like knowing God. There are people that have PhDs on their walls and know more about God 
than I could ever have in my fingertip. But you know what? I know God. And He knows my name. Does He know your name? God is faithful. He knows you. How well do you know Him? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time together. And dear Heavenly Father, it is my prayer as we have this time of invitation. Lord, if there is anything that this scripture or this worship service has done to bring something to light in one person's life, Lord, to where they, they want help with, with getting over this thing that you have, you have brought to the forefront, that dear Heavenly Father, that you would move, Lord, that someone would, would make a decision this morning, maybe to accept you as their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, or maybe to to join this church or just come to the altar and pray or be baptized, whatever their decision may be. If they don't want to come alone, get them to grab the hand of the person beside them. Because, Lord, if they can't make a stand in this room today with people that love them and support them, they will never be able to do it when they walk outside these doors. Don't give Satan the victory this morning. If there's one that doesn't know you or their relationship with you has been hindered, May they come forward this morning. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?